if you will, open with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter three. This morning we are finishing up this section in, in Peter where Peter has been addressing particular groupings of of, of Christians in the church, those who of course are Christians who live under the authority of, of the state, servants, wives briefly to husbands in, in verse 7. So we're going to read together this chapter 3, verse 7. Peter writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weak vessel. of life, so that your prayers Father, from the very beginning, you not only created the man and the woman in the image of God, You created them to be together in marriage. They would they would join together. The man would leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. You have established marriage from the very beginning. And you have especially called husbands to the task of leading in their homes well, to the task of reflecting the love of Christ for His church to their own wives. As much as marriage these days is being assaulted on all sides, we, above all, to be a people who reflect the very gospel of Christ in our homes and in our marriages. And so I pray, Father, that especially for we who are husbands, for we who are desiring to be husbands, Lord, that you would teach us this morning from your word, that you would show us what you require of us, and that we would heed the warning comes to us if we fail to obey in this way. Instruct us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Last week, of course, we considered wives their own husbands. Several of you, after hearing the word, spoke how you, if you were falling hopefully short in this particular matter, room for improvement, perhaps much room even for repentance. I saw there was a 
There's a high ideal, a high calling for wives in the home. And, and sometimes that calling may seem to be almost unreachable. It is a, a call to reflect the very church of Christ in our marriages and for you who are wives to reflect that very picture as wives to your husbands. I told some of you uh, not to worry, because you had not yet heard what the Word of God was to say to husbands. (laughs) That might lighten the load a little for you. But I have to also, I think, forewarn you this morning that you may be a little disappointed Because whereas we saw there were six verses directed to wives in 1 Peter 3, husbands here only receive one. In all seriousness, though, it is uh, not unusual for Scripture to expose many areas of our lives where we are indeed falling woefully short. In fact, we find the biblical authors themselves speaking of this very thing. James, for example, in chapter 3, verse 2, speaks of all Christians and including himself in that. For, he says, for we all stumble in many ways. Scripture reveals to us the perfect will of God calls us to imitate Christ and to love Christ and to love one another with a perfect calls us to obey his commands, to do good works, and to pursue righteousness. Expectation. We will do that. We commands and obey those the Scripture also speaks to us repeatedly grace the blood of Christ continues to forgive our sins and continues day by day even after we come to Christ as Savior it speaks to us about the reality of the spiritual warfare that we are in on a daily basis. The ongoing battle against sin that remains within our flesh to us of the daily need to put to the deep body. It reminds us that we have not yet reached the point of glorification. That we must work out and so, yes, much of our lives will involve now sin through the lens light of Scripture, through the lens of the will of God, and, and much of our lives is, is going to involve daily repentance, a daily reminder depths of our own depravity and a a daily call to turn from that that very sin. It's not a point we should despair over by any means. It is 
kind of sense of hopelessness. Rather, the call to repentance and, and the fact that we would even dare to repent is, is, is communicated to us as a very gift of God. Repentance itself is described as a gift of God that leads to eternal life. To be able to, to see sin for what it is and to be able to hear the Word of God and receive both its encouragements and its corrections and to have a desire to turn from sin and to turn toward holiness is itself evidence of the presence of the Spirit of God at work in us. So it's the seeing of sin and the, and the hand for it. That, that's nothing to despair over. In fact, it's to be rejoiced over. Looking forward to showing us. life in His name. We can be grateful for that work. We can strive with all of His strength to carry out His will. But as I said before, today's text focuses the duties of husbands. And the fact that there's only one verse addressing husbands here does not indicate anything about their superiority doesn't tell us anything about some kind of inherent righteousness that exists within men and specifically husbands. Doesn't indicate that there's really just not much to say to husbands. In fact, if you look in Ephesians chapter 5, where the apostle there addresses likewise husbands and Husbands, who of course are given the, the, the bulk of the attention there with the husbands receiving instruction that pulls in verses and the wives only they're getting free. I think it's worth remembering that in the Peter has been speaking especially to Christians who are living under views of authorities. He's been teaching them about what godly submission is going to look under each of those circumstances. And so the fact that husbands receive any instruction at all, that's really what is actually surprising here. It stands it's it's different from the rest. The, the husbands here are those who occupy a position of authority. In no other case does Peter address those who So again, it stands out here that Peter is even speaking to husbands in this very context. Peter has, of course, just called these Christian wives the some of whom were, were married to unbelieving husbands. But whether they were believers or unbelievers, as we saw, share the same calling. They are to recognize the headship of their husbands and submit 
themselves to their husbands in the fear of God. And that, of course, that of course requires a tremendous amount of trust on behalf of the wife in their husbands. The wife is placing her own in the care of her husband. And so it's as if Peter, before moving on with any additional instructions or arguments, it's as if he feels compelled to speak to the husbands and to at least briefly tell them how they are to live with and treat their wives. And he even gives them a warning about women if they to obey. No other group that we have seen in the context so far that is addressed receives a warning. But here, after those husbands how they are to live with their wives, they receive a warning because they have been entrusted with a great responsibility in husbands to do? What, what is Peter saying that we as husbands are to do? How are we to live with our wives? Well, the first thing is that we are called, he says, to live with our wives according to knowledge. Live with our wives according to knowledge. What the text literally says. The King James Version in fact renders it this way when it says, as ye husbands dwell, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. The question, of course, what does this mean? What does it mean to live with your wives according to knowledge? And the way that ESV and the other translations interpret this passage is that the knowledge has to do with the knowledge of your wife. It has to do with her understanding what what makes her tick. You must know the the nature, your, your the desires of your wife, and and the nature of your wife. As a, as a, and you must her accordingly. Is certainly, I think, present in the text. Other is here. I don't think that's actually what Peter is getting at by this phrase referring to here shorthand for knowledge of God having to do with His will and, and His purposes. The, the emphasis here is on God. And, and this emphasis really follows the pattern of what we have seen so far throughout the context as Peter addresses these other categories of Christians. In verse 13, if you look with me there, Christians are told to be subject to every institution for the Lord's sake. In chapter 2, verse 19, servants are commanded to be subject to their masters being mindful of God. And then chapter 3, verse 2, having pure conduct in Fear, and we saw last week that that fear refers to the kind of 
God. Or to follow the example of the holy women of old and in verse 5, who hoped in God. So all throughout the context, every single command, even these various groupings of Christians, places an emphasis on carrying out these commands primarily as an act of obedience to God. Same as the This knowledge is a knowledge of the will of God. A knowledge of, of His very person. How Peter uses the term in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. When he writes there, for this reason make every effort to supplement faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. Or in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, but grow grace and knowledge and Savior Jesus. This knowledge here is not just some kind of general knowledge of things in the world. It's, it's a knowledge specifically of the Gospel, a, a knowledge of God and a knowledge of His will. And husbands, are called to live their wives according to the knowledge of God. Which means especially that our marriages are to be distinctly Christian marriages. Our responsibility as husbands is to create, is to cultivate distinctly Christian marriage. What the world finds acceptable, what its practices are, what it permits or says that men can and cannot do, is not what shape the mind of a Christian husband. Your wife is not there simply to satisfy your own desires, she does not belong to you just to bear your children. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, it is not okay for you to be passive in your marriage and to allow your wife to leave you. are to be on guard against the sinful passive of Adam to simply watch and then he joins her in you are to be on guard that passiveness on the one hand, and on the other, you are to be on guard against a self-serving spirit. Use your wife is really nothing more than a mere possession. Your responsibility as a man and as a husband is to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Christ died for His bride. He died for His people. And He died to sanctify them. He died to, to make them holy. His, his life's work was to make His bride holy, blameless, spotless, and perfect. Ready to be presented on the great day of the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so, chief 
among our responsibilities, brothers, is to serve our wives chiefly with a view towards their spiritual good. Our wives, of course, certainly responsible before God for their own walk with the Lord. We are also accountable for how we are leading them in that very walk. The same way you as members of the church responsible for your own walk with the Lord, I also am responsible to oversee the souls of the flock of God. It's the same with us. Wives responsible for her walk, you also are responsible to ensure she is walking with the Lord and you together with her. So what are we doing to point hearts to Christ? Are we, are we speaking with them? Are we reading the Bible with them? Are we praying for them? With studying them, seeming to see when it is that they need encouragement, stirring their hearts as the pastors ours, we instilling confidence in the trust that our wives are to have in us by being men who are obedient of God that He has given us, or are we undermining that confidence by our own neglectfulness, by our own apathy, by our own sin? I must admit, as I'm even thinking about very matters, as I was even meditating through this week, that, that even as I think of these responsibilities in my own life, I fall on find that I am falling woefully short. And that I need to repent. I, I even told Lisa yesterday preparing to preach today. I don't want to preach about husbands today. Directly towards the Spirit. And all of these are not just things that you men must do in your home you have as husbands before God, but this is for me. And it exposes my own weaknesses, my own sin. As I said before, God is indeed gracious to us. He's gracious and He's patient with our many failings. He's gracious with our many sins. And so rather than despairing, you are to grieve. You are to grieve over our sinfulness with a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. We are to work to carry out this very high calling that God has us as head. Obey God's command. Live with 
our wives according to the knowledge of God. Shape our homes accordingly. Now, we are also to live with our wives, not only according to the knowledge of God, but live Again, I'm, I'm departing slightly here from what the ESV says when it says the weaker vessel. For that aren't really worth getting into this morning, American standard translation probably captures the grammar. It says, "Live with your wife as with a weak vessel." You know what does that mean? What is this? What is this imagery? Peter saying something here that is scandalous about women. Is he saying that wives are pathetic little weaklings? You all just sort of have pity on them. Seems that's uh, what he's saying, and, and without even getting into some of the other arguments, you can just think about what he was instructing wives to do last week. He is wives, some of whom were living in households where their husbands were unbelievers be their own husbands. Now, that is a challenge. It's a challenge much more when you are married to an unbeliever and it requires fortitude a deep gospel so saying here anything that these are weak and mental or in the first century, women, Roman philosophers understood women to be weak in their minds and in their wills, seen as intellectually inferior to men. Again, that's not what Peter is saying here. Peter is simply recognizing biological reality. Men stronger than women. There was a time didn't really need to be repeated. That, that wasn't a crucial point to observe. In these strange times that we live in, it appears that more and more as Christians, we are going to continually remind people of that basic fact that God has indeed men and women differently. As built skeletons their muscular or hormonal structures differently. He has built men in such a way that on the whole, they are generally physically stronger than women. That's what Peter is referring to here. The word used for vessel, which just refer to a jar dish of some 
is often used metaphorically to the human body, the physical body. Paul, for example, in 2 Corinthians verse 7 says, but we have this treasure. We, we have this treasure of the ministry of the Gospel in jars, in vessels of clay. Past power belongs to God, not he is referring there to the fact that his body was constantly given over to afflictions and death for the sake of the gospel. And the meaning is the same for Peter. Husbands are to live with wives recognizing that they are physically weaker. Which means that one of the responsibilities a protector. You are to be a guardian for your wife. A guardian over your own household. Your strength for that task. On the other hand, there's also an implicit responsibility that you not your physical strength ever to intimidate your wife. There are not many things that are more despicable uses their physical strength over another to bully or to abuse them. And that is most especially the case when it has to do with his wife. The physical weakness of a wife and really weakness an opportunity to take advantage of. Many men speak harshly and cruelly not of her response. They have no fear of retaliation. They're confident, arrogant in their own strength over her. But the reason Peter brings up the physical weakness of the woman actually to lead the Christian husbands to the very opposite very opposite response. The Christian, there, there's an almost counterintuitive instinct we are to have towards things that are weak. And counterintuitive in the sense that it, it goes contrary to the, to the natural flesh, the the fleshly intuitions of a man. We believe that God displays His power Think of what Paul says. We treasure in frail, weak bodies that are afflicted. It was rescuing a weak people in the Exodus where God displayed for Pharaoh. It was in the weakness of the barren womb that God displayed His power by giving Sarah, son of promise, Isaac. And it was ultimately in the weakness of the cross God displayed His power in reconciling the world to Himself. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaking about 
Revelation of the Corinthian believers says something of them that could equally be said about many, if not all, of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26-27, to he writes, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has a peculiar care and love for the things that are weak and lowly in the world. And husbands, of course, are called to imitate the in our love for our wives. And so for Peter, the, the logic of his instruction, again, the reason he brings up the physical weakness of the woman is to then exhort us as husbands to honor our wives. That physical disparity for a Christian should lead desire to exalt and honor we live with our wives according to knowledge of God, weaker vessel nature leads us logically not to despise her, but to honor her, and he says to honor her specifically as an heir of the grace of life. Our wives, brother very real sense, like royalty. They are heirs. They are, very real sense, queens. But queens, who unlike many who have gone before, who have had the... have not ruled in any way, they will rule together with us. and Rule together with Christ in the kingdom of God. It is a lady. Loyalty. As you hear. You. <laughs> then it is indeed though. Our, our call to view. To see our wives. In the very way that. God sees them in Christ. They are to be given the honor that is due to one who has royal blood in their veins. And most especially so the relationship between the one weaker vessel and receiving honor helps and this logic that Peter is communicating to husbands. When you think of the word vessel, it literally refers to a kind of uh, jar or a dish. You can think, of course, of how in your own home probably you have all kinds of dishes used for different purposes. Often used. Plate to, to eat on and to microwave 
him because that constantly be 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 doing addition over and over again. Easy to dispose of, but even if we don't have that, it's the the regular that you you use all the time and that can bang up and sometimes broken and and, and there's nothing about them. They're just cheap, regular, common dishes. But then we have, of course, uh, the fine china. Right? We have the uh, the, the things that are costly. The the heirlooms that get passed down, the dishes that you may use, you know, only on special occasions, and and maybe you're just displaying them. Right? You have a china cabinet, and they are there just to observe and to see and to. The difference between those two dishes and how you treat them. That, that Peter is is communicating here. Weakness of that fine china uh, does not say anything about it having less than the other dishes. Is it? It's the, the the dishes that. That are that are costly and that are fragile and that are indeed weaker. That you're not just going to toss those things that receive all of the honor and, and the care. And brothers, that's the same idea here. The weakness of the wife that Peter speaks of is a sign that she is due to receive highest honor. She is worthy of all of your affection. She is worthy of receiving the, the look of your eyes only fixed on her. She is worthy of all of your heart and of all of your life to be respected. And then do not ever let your children dishonor your wife. Your own home. And likewise, you yourself are not to do private or in public or your children. If you do, if you against your wife this way, you make sure that you humble yourself before her. And you forgive her forgiveness. And you repent. Because if you do not, if you exalt, treat your wife with the honor that she is due, with the honor that God has commanded you to give to her, you are warned as husband that God will not listen to our prayers. He will turn His ear away from us. Which also means, in a very real sense, if children, he oppose us as a father to his children, but we will displease him, and he will be us. Again, the 
honor your wives as heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. In that last statement there, it, it doesn't need much explanation. Exactly what it appears to mean. God is Manipulated. He is not as the, the pagan gods who certain people. He is obligated to hear prayers. He do so. And beyond that, he loves to hear the prayers. Loves to answer those prayers. And, and I can bear witness to the many ways answered very very direct and specific prayers on behalf of this church that we up to him. But again, it's not any obligation to receive and answer. He can refuse. The statement of, of judgment. He said Judah and I Spread out your hands. I will hide my eyes from you. Though you make many prayers, you'll not listen. God can to hear the prayers of people, especially when they are living in sin. And especially when they are refusing to repent and to humble themselves and to obey His Word. And Peter said to us as husbands, to us who have the responsibility of leading and loving our to the will of God, he said, if we do not honor our wives, God will not honor us by hearing our prayers. So the point is that if you sin against your wife, before you go to worship, before you come here to worship and to give God the honor that is due His name, if you have sinned against your wife, the first responsibility is to reconcile with her. And, and to not bring a hypocritical heart into the worship of God. That will not be anything to Him. The call is to Treat your wife with the opportunity to an heir of the grace of life, and if you have sinned against her, to reconcile before lifting up your prayers and your praise to God. So, brothers, clean men with a pure heart, men who seek to walk with God and honor God and please God by honoring our wives. Loving them well. We are to be husbands who, again, shepherd their hearts as God shepherds our own hearts. To cultivate in our calling to reflect that very mission. Church has 
is a high response to reflect the other men who like Christ laid their lives for the good and for the life and the sanctification and holiness of our our own wives and our own homes. Amen. To the Lord. Well, Father, even as we consider the calling that you have given to us as husbands, we, we are exposed as your word brings before our very eyes the many failings and sins that, that we commit. So, Lord, I pray for families especially, Lord, that as we considered wives and husbands, Lord, that, that you would set our feet on the path of obedience. But as your word teaches us, it is, it is a great gospel when you grant repentance to a people, Lord, that you would grant repentance to our hearts that have been exposed by your word, and that we as husbands would honor our wives as heirs of the grace of life. I pray that we would all be reflections of the gospel in our homes. And that indeed people would see a distinct Christian witness that exists among us. And that is not present throughout the world. Ultimately receive all the honor and glory. And we ask this in Jesus.